0: And uh, i not quite certain what what you expected. I imagine it looks like most of you are familiar with meditation. You're sitting together this morning, so you have some practice with that. And perhaps that's something you'd like to also extend. But clearly this has a uh, kind of study orientation. So there's that. And maybe you wanted, some want more of that, less of this. But we'll sort of... Uh, Blend it, um, and this particular topic, Sankara, is I <coughs> think is of significance for direct practice in meditation, um, also in understanding, also, in, particularly in terms of ethics, very helpful to understand one's ethical energies and consequences and clarifying that when I mean ethics, I mean when one feels aggressive. Or frightened, or defensive, or you know, manipulative. These kinds of energies and how you really get in touch with that and know it for yourself and steady and stabilize. We are we are indeed quite wobbly systems. So, sankara, and uh, just thought it just give us a kind of overview, big big picture, for which my able assistant will uh, display his writing skills and so you, by all means you're, you are very welcome to make notes now or leave key terms on the board so you can write them down and then you can look at them in your own time and I'll try to also provide you with references in the Pali Canon to um, research those So. My, uh, my sense is that the, although this, this term is rather difficult to translate into English in any one satisfactory term, Sankara, although I <laughs> I've i kind of found one that I feel quite pleased with the programmes, but one's always cautious about adding more words to, to this mix because there are several other words that are used already and it gets confusing because you don't recognise it's actually the same thing being pointed to because somebody calls it formation somebody calls it volition somebody calls it karma forming tendency (laughs) somebody calls it fabrication Uh, somebody calls it dependence dependencies, somebody calls it conditions somebody calls it determinations so none of these words themselves are particularly palpable. You know, a determination. Have you seen any of those? Um, where's that? Program maybe gives one a, uh, can give one an idea because we particularly use computer programs. You recognise these are well, they're not palpable, but they're extremely dynamic, and they can also create other programs that link up to other programs and produce virtual forms such as text editing forms or picture forms or audio forms so definitely something manifest does occur in the sensory realm that we can use but underneath it all there's something that What's that? You know, you try and write a computer program down, I don't know what you'd get. Some kind of piece of gobbledygook that only technical people would learn or know. So most of us are just dealing with what lands on the desktop. And that's pretty much where we are in our lives, we are on the desktop. And the Buddha is dealing with some of these underlying programs that, that produce all this manifestation that we are in. In fact, we are. Uh, and as you begin to unpack experience through meditation, then you begin to come up against one of the fundamental um, root programs, which is it, the what we often experience is there's an experience and there's an experiencer. There's the thing that's experienced and there's somebody experiencing it. And thereby there's some struggle (laughs) because the experiencer wants this experience, doesn't want that one doesn't quite know how to handle this one and so forth, This fundamental uh, division, subject-object division and this we would say is a root program that evolves Mm. for particular functional purposes for this organism to manifest and survive in the world which it does for a while but yet that, that particular piece of programming, if not handled carefully, not handled with deep wisdom, leads to the sense of, well, I'm me, and that's that, and you're there. And, well, I don't think much of you, or I want you, or be this way. The, the subject becomes autonomous, or semi-autonomous, and starts to exert its wishes, approvals, disapprovals and so forth and concerns and fears onto the world around and there is generation of human entanglement. Not all bad news, some of it, naturally, the subject also gets the point that it needs to experience love and acceptance and conciliation with objects. Still that takes some work too. <laughs> So, the problem of the subject is one of the big issues of of Buddhism, and here we have this key uh, term, not self, anatta, which is a way of code to begin to unpack the experience of the subject. Recognizing this is where, uh, in this particular piece, is where the root program really lies, and if that Piece uh, pieces unpacked, we begin to see that some of the messages of subjectivity such as ownership, agency, um, separation, um, fear and so forth are resolved and then well, the subjectivity but there isn't an autonomous subject and this is not self, you know? not a separate entity. Now, the direct experience or experience as it happens um, is of two natures. There's the conditioned experience in which all this programming is running. And this conditioned experience is the world of the sankhata or the conditioned. If you could write that up. Uh, Sankata. the conditioned and there's also the asankhata the unconditioned (laughs) and the unconditioned uh, is is rather rare uh, uh, relatively rare experience Mm -hmm. in fact it's when the conditioned releases its programs and becomes unconditioned Releases itself into the un- into unconditioned. Uh, so these programs are completed or finished or seen as irrelevant or terminated or abated. So the un- the conditioned then relaxes or unfolds, empties into the unconditioned. So that's the you know that's the overview. And what is the conditioned? Now, when we use a term like that, we might be able to think well what particular thing is it that's conditioned what is conditioned is it the mind is it the body is it what is it no the conditioned is conditioned but what is the condition the conditioned is the conditioned <laughs> uh, so you know so you might well what's the thing and Again, the, the fundamental understanding of the Buddha is well, there isn't a thing, and this linguistically, it's very difficult. Mm. But there, we might say, perhaps the handiest word we can kind of peg things on is energy
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. for condition. When when there's a the condition, there's the experience of energy manifesting in all kinds of ways. Some of them are. Uh, um, psychological, emotional energies, some of them are manifest as physical energies, somatic energies. Matter itself is now understood to be just a form of energy. It's Einstein. And the atom has disappeared <laughs> over the last 50, 60 years from being the fundamental building brick. That's also dissolved into just energy shifting around. And, uh, but there are programs within that, that, and nobody really understands this on a physical level, programs within that that generate materiality, particular kinds of materiality, elements, forms, substances, um, and also energies that produce or condition come into experience as um, chemical, somatic, um, neurological, um, Subtle energies, subtle forms, mentalities, emotions. So, you know, the, the conditioned universe stretches from the immaterial such as a thought down to the material such as a rock. And all that is the conditioned programmed in that in that way. And it's all interlaced and it produces. So we might say, you know, any particular um, event arises within that field. So we take, say, you know, invention of the steam engine. Okay. Thomas Newcomen invents the steam engine, and so you know, this definite thing begins to occur that hadn't occurred before. But that was dependent upon this human being and of course coal and water and heat. This human being was dependent upon a body. Didn't have a body wouldn't to do that. The body was dependent upon his mum and dad, and food, and school, education, and health, and not being killed, and so forth. So and then his mother and father were dependent upon a whole line of material forms that stretches back to the primeval slime. Yeah. And how did he, he happen? Well, his mum and dad got interested in each other. That, there was a particular moment and intercourse took place. But none of these moments are actually absolutely determined. You know, intercourse might have taken place, but he might not have happened. Conception might have taken place, he might not have happened. Birth might have taken place, he might not have happened, he might not have survived. He might not have had an idea. So all these are contingent. They present possibilities. Uh, You know, the primeval slime didn't invent the steam engine, but it was somewhere in that process of potential conditions that generate other conditions, that can generate other conditions, that create possibilities and potentials. So there are programs that generate programs, that generate programs, that generate programs, and in intermeshing, new forms arise. And that's the, that's the manifest world, from the psychological, such as, you know, if Thomas's father and mother weren't interested, it wouldn't have happened. So there's something immaterial in all that, isn't there? Some immaterial flash of mood or interest, so forth. If they hadn't met each other, that wouldn't have happened. So... How did that happen? We're in this contingent universe, or we are this contingent universe, unfolding in all these different forms. And from the Buddha's point of perspective, having del- del- delved into this very deeply, recognising, well, this does go on, doesn't it? And uh, it keeps going on. and. It necessarily, on a personal level, is always bound up with birth, aging, death, you know, and uh, the need to survive and the failure to survive, need to eat, hunger, competition, disease,
1: you know,
0: uh, sorrow, loss, change, separations. Yeah, those are the inevitables. There may, of course, be you know, benevolent experiences and happy feelings. There may, but there will be you know, aging, sickness, death, and it goes on. And within that, as he recognises he you know, father and child, well, there's another one that has come out of this programme Is there a possibility this program could be adjusted or reprogrammed or changed or even switched off altogether? So his realization was that without having to go around killing all kinds of creatures, not destruction of things, but by moderating and even stilling some of these programs, release could occur. There could be a release from the conditioned. And again we might ask, well that's interesting, who gets released from the conditioned? No one gets released from the conditioned, there is the release from the conditioned. But who? No, 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 you've created something <laughs> because of the nature of language. There is a release from the conditioned that can be an experience. Uh but there isn't some separate person experiencing it that's where the separate person dissolves or is released there is a release within that it's subjectively experienced and there's a release from the conditioned which is say the stilling of the Sankara the creative impulse the manipulating, the moving, the changing, the shifting, there's a release from that. So this is deeply peaceful still. And his summary phrase which occurs in several places is, um, this is peaceful, this is the sublime, the stilling of all sankara." Which again, programs, creative tendencies, dynamics, conditions, contingencies. The relinquishment of all acquisition, just refers to the accumulated tendencies, the momentum, we might say, the ground, the ground tendencies of accumulations for act as a springboard for further engagement. Which you might, might say, simply speaking, is had a historical sense of self, which acts as the foundation spring springboard from which I'd like to be, I wish I was, how can I? Mm. So, this foundational experience of a sense of self, that acquisition, the relinquishment of that, mm. the destruction of craving the thirst of tanha which is like a a, not a decision but almost like a compulsive instinct to to accumulate to devour, to feed on either sense objects or on status on progress, on self-definition something seeks to accumulate more in that so that broken up dispassion, cooling of the fire, of uh, generation, Nibbana. This is peaceful, this is sublime, the stilling of all, Sankara, the relinquishment of all acquisitions, the destruction of craving, dispassion, ceasing Nibbana. So this phrase is clearly something that uh, occurs several times. It must have been almost like a repeated... Um, some of repeated slogan or or reference point to to describe what was being talked about. And here the word stilling is useful because it's not stilling is very much like what happens to an energy you you can't destroy an energy you don't need to destroy, you still it like you turn the, the flame down you turn the power down and the light's dim. You don't have to go around breaking the light bulbs. Or, or, nor, that, nor is that necessary or even skillful. Because you can still it and then if it's necessary you can turn it up. But clearly the Buddha had an extreme potential for manifestations and for creating a lot of stuff a lot of words, a lot of directions, a lot of powerful inclinations, a lot of powerful um, intentions, so definitely he could crank it up. Those are all activities, conditions, programs, he could bring it on, he could also turn it down. Mm -hmm. But what is essential in all that is what we understand and what we can surmise from what he did turn on was it was free from greed, hatred, delusion, fear, ambition, pride, conceit. So the purification of the Sankara in the, in the manifest world. With that purification, then it can also be oh, said no need for that, turn it down. So it seems that the Buddha had that through his wisdom the ability to, to almost discharge to download the whole programming and then you know weed out the viruses if you like or something they would fall away and then you could actually reboot <laughs> you could say, come up again but with a very clean set of, of program to the welfare of other beings and uh, indeed you know, Pretty pretty amazing because well might always say, once you've learned how to, to to you know turn it turn it down and you're in the why bother, you know? But clearly he was also had an, he was still sentient and had that fundamental sentient ability to empathize, you know, resonate for the welfare of others and he just turned it up, uh, for uh, 45 years uh, until the life force had expended itself. So, this is the condition and the unconditioned, the sankhata. And as you can see, the word sankhata clearly very closely connected to the word sankara. And uh, in terms of the Pali, you have two aspects. Two that word breaks into two, the katakara bit is to do with action. So we we have also karma, Sanskrit form karma is more clearly connected to this sankara word. K-A-R-M-A is the Sanskrit version of it. In Pali, uh, often there's a change where these, these R in Pali sometimes just turns in R oh in Sanskrit turns into doubling the consonant so karma in Sanskrit becomes kama in Pali two M's mm. uh, but so clearly this, there's a connection there karma action uh, sankara activity so activity is a big part of it
1: mm. uh,
0: dynamic the sun bit is, is associated with a suffix meaning brings together, or sticks together, or acute, or make, you know, binds things together. So, sangha, for example, is a is a unity, a, a kind of collectiveness of beings. Sangha, sankara, a, a dynamic that form brings things together into something. In other words, it's a, it's an energy that brings around manifest objects. Mm. Yeah. So the world of manifestation occurs out of the dynamic um, into, these, into this uh, sankara experience. So it also has, if you like, uh, as a dynamic aspect to, that, to what that's referred to and why people have found it problematic to translate it is because it also can have a substantive reference um, in other words, it's not just an energy; it's also a thing. Becomes a thing, or appears as a thing, um, or you know. Uh, so, in this, term, this sense, is sometimes called translated as formation. That which has been sankharat, that which has been programmed, it arises as, you know, in our analogy, it rises as you know, Windows Word or something, you know, a definite thing. Um, Thank you. Now today uh, I'd like to use one frame of reference in which Sankara is uh, referred to. I think this is extremely helpful for meditation, where we began this session. Because this is really what we are in and try to work with in what we call meditation. And here there are three interlinking Sankaras, interlinking programs. And from the top we have Vajji Sankara. Now, vajji is to do with speech So Samawaja, right, speech Vajji is speech uh, or articulation The dynamic or the energy or the formative process of articulation Speech, thought, internal thought, chit-chat that we feel or assume is going on in our heads Inner chatter that breaks out into sound chatter mm-hmm. or that could be scribbled down as visual chatter or it could be typed onto a computer and become cyber chatter Vajji speech and articulation um, so this is something we, we live with and come up with and sometimes affronted by and also delighted in um, and it generates more, doesn't it? It keeps generating more language and it has potent effects. Yeah, we can. These, this stuff can cause anxiety, warmth, friendship, hostility, aggression, peacefulness, harmony, um, all kinds of stuff can be triggered by that particular thing. It's a program that can trigger other programs, and those other. what it triggers is programmes which we call chitta sankara. Chitta Sankara. Chitta is the effective well it means many covers a range of meanings. But we might say in this sense chitta sankara refers to the effective mind or heart or awareness. Chitta can be extended to mean heart, mind or awareness. So That immaterial aspect of our experience is affected. It trembles, it rushes, it stretches, it opens, it closes, it rages, it soothes. It has powerful intentions stream out of it, determinations, resolutions. It experiences patience, equanimity, kindness, forgiveness. Hostility, aggression, and it is the source of karma. The source of karma, action which will give rise to results, called old karma or vipaka. So, this area extremely uh, important, and just recognizing how a few carefully disposed Vaji Sankaras can stimulate quite a lot of jitta-sankharas you know, call somebody an idiot or tell them they'll get free tax cuts if they vote for me you know, jitta-sankharas start moving and all kinds of things happen around that you know? so, yeah and what else jitta is experienced uh, essentially this is what meditators Uh, begin to touch into and and why we use things like mindfulness of breathing is because the Chitta Sankara also connects to something called Kaya Sankara and this is essentially the bodily program or the bodily dynamic Kaya Sankara And this is experienced, we might say, as somatic energy. In other words, it's not bones and sinews, it's that vitality, flushing, tingling, surging, swirling, jet-lagged, drowsy, aroused uh, experience in our bodies that heats us, freezes us, bungs up in our head, you know, when we've been overworked, gets tight and stressed out and hunches in our shoulders, um, sinks holes in us when we feel grief, when you feel your belly's knocked out, heartbreak, you know, it's it's terribly real, isn't it? And these are not just sort of moods or emotions, these really have a searing experience in an embodied state. Kaya Sankara, the bodily dynamic or bodily formation. and So that's from the top down to the bottom, although of course these positions are all relative. Um, But you can see something, word is what? Nothing. Just the noise, isn't it? And yet, from that you can have a palpable experience in your belly of feeling threatened or intimidated or feeling your chest, feeling loved and appreciated from there to there to there. So, programs trigger programs and vice versa. If one's body isn't tight, locked, it is very difficult to be gracious and accepting and tolerant. If you're feeling sick and stressed out it's very difficult to be equanimous and uh, <laughs> easygoing. You know, you just feel grumpy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and there it is the the sort of humbling fact that these all synchronise. You know. where does the wisdom of the of the scholar go when he's when he's when he's drunk, <laughs> when he's ingested chemicals? Where does the genius go when he's asleep? It's all programmed. And Bottom line is the Kaya Sankara. So these all run together and support each other. Mm-hmm. I don't say ne- it's not necessarily positive support, it can be a very negative support. From bodily restriction, arouses frustrated emotions, gives rise to harsh speech, and so forth. So when we meditate, we get enough of the Vajji Sankara, it says sit still, relax. Be present. do. Okay. Well, don't worry about that. Just go into your body. Okay. What about? Just sit down. Okay. Got that? Now hold your back up. Okay. You know, you start to use these verbal things to give some have visible physical effects that, if they're carefully handled, will find you in a place where you feel balanced and grounded and open. Oh. Oh. And then as you get into that, and things release, suddenly your breathing becomes more apparent. Ah. And you're calm, you're peaceful, you're clearer, you're regenerated, it takes time, of course. Ah, and then lovely thoughts come up. Well, not always, but, you know, the, the, the rough stuff comes up, you're able to just let it blow through, and behind that comes a quality of spaciousness, compassion, oh yeah. This is what we're all in, equanimity, goodwill, and then you're able to say a few things that, that make that come out of that, and think some things, and say some things. So you can reprogram, um, because it is programmed. And if that process can uh, deepen, it can come to the place where the, the vaji no, it's, like it's so quiet and minimal because there's nothing much to say there, it needs to stop It's silent. And it was operating very much more in terms of inflections of spaciousness or ease. It's a slightly different realm, heart-based and quieter aspects of heart, quieter and quieter. Yeah, and this makes possible a deep understanding of the relative nature of the thought process, which is very often where we really find ourselves identifying this is me, this is what I am. So when that, oh, oh, I don't need to keep that one going. Finished. End of that conversation. So this program can have very, not just effects in meditation, but effects that have long-term consequences. For example, one begins to understand more properly, more fully, more gut level, the instinct towards aggression or fear. Ah, oh, that's not necessary. It, 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 that program doesn't have to be rebooted. It's been seen through as based upon an illusion or assumption, self assumption. <coughs> so, this is the ongoing process of meditative development, of cleaning out uh, defective, afflictive programs and realizing. This silences, this unprogrammed experience, this unprogrammed aspect becomes a source of great refuge. As that unfolds or as things dissolve into that, that becomes more accessible from perhaps what might start out as a few microseconds into something more sustainable or readily accessible. So we go. Uh, now, I'm going to start again with the This is described as comprised of two particular factors. And as I say, these things, um, you know, the Buddha, my, my understanding, my sense is the Buddha wouldn't have bothered with explaining these things unless they were useful. So he was not just trying to create a cosmic theory or a metaphysic, but saying you know, the two. Because when you see them individually, when you, you name it, you know it, and in naming and knowing, there's a stepping back from it. Oh, it's that. That is just a conditioned phenomenon. It's not me. Hmm. So one aspect to this, how this occurs, is vitakka. Um, vitakka is the ability to. Bring something to mind: thought, conception. I'm Janice. All right. Yeah. Uh, Friday the seventeenth. All right. okay. mm-hmm. yes. Supermarket. All right. Yeah. Shopping. Yeah. Bom, something pops in. It's a moment flash. Thought, conception, and along with that goes. Something called vichara, so a thought, conception, vitakka, and something else translated approximately as evaluation or exploration, vichara, which means, Aunt Janice, oh there she is, oh she's 85. Must get her something for her birthday. Mm. A little bit of you know texture gets woven around that that <clears throat> initial concept. Hmm? Textured in, dependent on 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 the mood. Yeah. So it arises dependent on the mood. Say, of, she triggers sense of concern and goodwill. Yeah. So then, points. Why does it point And what does it describe? It describes things in line with the. Emotional tendency of the chitta sankara and it dips into that and it generates something based upon that form. So I can think of Aunt Janice and think how much I'm fond of her, concern for welfare, she had a fall the other year. All this stuff arises in my experience, becomes rather large, and I move to act in that way. Karma, <coughs> good karma, hopefully. Could be this thing, I remember Derek. I think so-and-so, so-and-so, you know, he did that, knocked my garden fence down with his truck, didn't apologise, got angry with me instead, linger on that one, another big topic comes up. Why do people always do this to me? Mm. So forth. self-view comes up, Mm. more karma.
1: Mm.
0: Karma both generates an action and it generates an actor. So, with the positive one, generates a good action towards my aunt, who I'm fond of, I become a tender, concerned person. Second kind of action generates a sense of frustration or hostility, I become an angry or victimized person. Karma. Creates an actor and an act. Remember, it's both. And one thing because you want to really touch into because mo- all actions are justifiable. <laughs> when you're an actor, you can justify any act. <laughs> but then you're left with the actor. And most of us get the feeling of, yeah, of course I could feel annoyed about so-and-so. And yeah, I've got every right to feel annoyed, but I don't want to just feel it an angry person, I don't want to be that one. So because that's the acquisition, (laughs) that's the the thing that's laid down, so I don't want to be that anymore. So it means, right, okay, does it matter, I care, he's got his thing, that's the way he is, so he's got to live with that, do I need to make that my problem, do I need to get Dig that into my heart, just maybe I'll say a few words but keep it cool, finished. I don't want to be a hostile victim Mm. because I've got to live with that. There's the acquisition and when I stay with that, I end up building up a whole relationship with this person based upon mutual antipathy, don't want that. Mm. So, really, you know, we begin to slowly and sometimes painfully even recognize you know, the potentials there for karma, for action, and whatever we do, we will be formed by that. We will become somebody in that. If you want to become anybody, you'd sooner be, be someone you'd like to live with because you have to. And even better, if you could allow that action to happen and just not identify with it, just, this is me, this is just a generous act, then one doesn't have to be an actor. Mm. That can change or,
1: mm.
0: so karma and the end of karma. So. Yeah. So thought conception, the evaluation, that process dependent upon Sankara, particular dispositions, intentions perceptions and the Sankara is phrased as perception and feeling. Hmm. Perception and feeling. So this means that perception gets the jitta going, so we drop an idea into our into our heart, thought conception, image of Aunt Janice, pleasant mood drops in, heart makes much of that pleasant mood, feels something, experiences a sense of pleasant feeling generates perceptions of what we could do or should do, action. Intentionality comes out of that. Mm-hmm. That's all happening in the car. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it, it is triggered by pre-existing perceptions and it formulates and makes more of them and that leads to in, intention. perception, sanya, feeling, Vedana, intention, Chetana. Feeling or perception, again it's not, none of these words are ideal, sanya. Sanya. Root word there, nya, is to do with knowing the kind of knowing that brings something into a conceivable form. We can also recognise it's related to the English word sign, sanya, sign, because it's the same um, Indo-European root language, there's some handy benefits in that, because sanya and sign, ah, oh, we get it, oh it's a sign, it's a signal. Sign, signal, sanya, an impression. It means something external or seemingly external is seen and it triggers an internal impression. I get it. I get it. This uh, act of cognition. Feeling the quality of agreeable. Or disagreeable that resonates in line with that. The sanya process is so immediate, or relatively immediate, not completely immediate, uh, but it, it sort of it suffuses, and we get it, we light up with that. We get it. We get the meaning, sanya, and it's relative. But when we get the meaning, the assumption is. That's actually it, rather than what it does. What my perception of it. We assume, and this is another thing you work with in meditation, that those internal perceptions and meanings that are moving around the heart, particularly about yourself. You're this or you're that or you're not this or you could be that or he's this or she's that or life's this or life's not that. That, I mean, Those may they indeed have effects, but they're all very subjective impressions. And it's through understanding deeply that impression is only an impression that we begin to also see or experience the release from that. It's there but it doesn't get me going because it's just an impression. An example, a very simple example, where Rendapani has been diligently making these marks on this white board while I've been talking. Making marks on a white board with assumption this will be helpful making these lines black lines on a white board pretty assured that those black lines on the white board will, ma- will match the sounds that are coming out of my mouth and that with a bit of effort what will arise in yourselves is some sense of, oh I get it or I don't get that or let me think we take this medium so much for granted that squiggles represent sounds sounds become meanings meanings move your heart and that's, that's, and that's real But just consider: if you look at it objectively, what? Why should that curly thing be related to the letter to the sound s? Why doesn't it make the sound? It's purely another sankara, the program of linguistic convention in the Roman alphabet, and pretty much anybody uses the Roman alphabet. We'll look at some of those words, struggle with a few, but probably come up with something close to Sankhārāt or it could be, because if you're English speaker it could be sankara, or sunkara, or Sankhārā but the S we're all clear about. And we assume that's, that's, uh, that's language. Those letters really relate to those sounds. Use Cyrillic alphabet. You can use letters very similar to that that make that represent different sounds. <coughs> use Greek alphabet. you're Struggling. And that's within the realm of sounds. If you go to South Africa, you hear people going a word. You need to go and they use those sounds and we don't have letters for them they speak words like that and to us, we think, hey, crazy sounds thinking that the sounds we make aren't normal <laughs> and mean something and related to these marks on the board And yet, those marks, some of those marks like that nature kind of potencies for organisation, Mm -hmm. for clarity, for communication, for manipulation, for propaganda, for dogmatism, for conflict, and for conflict resolution. Potent stuff, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a linguistic convention. And if we recollect or if you probably recognise, you know, the famous nineteen eighty four um, hypothesis gradually adjusting language so certain concepts no longer become available, such so as freedom. You gradually adjust the language till that word no longer exists.
1: <laughs>
0: and so you can notice how those linguistic convection Conventions themselves can be adjusted and steered to avoid certain meanings happening. So those meanings become obsolete. We lose touch with freedom. As a, nobody talks about it in 1984. So, and that's, that's the aim of it. Mm-hmm. So you know, those are powerful. Formative tendencies, aren't they, that can affect people's hearts? And I would also suggest there are quite a lot of experiences that we don't have words for, and therefore we don't really know how to handle them, or perhaps imagine they don't exist and they're having effective ones. One of the beauties of Buddha's use is he's beginning to reference experiences. This is why the language can be very difficult because it's not, you know, he's referring to to experiences that are rather rare. And uh, one of the blessings of the Dharma is to keep those words alive not just for academic purposes because they relate to something very significant that otherwise could be overlooked words conducive to liberation such as the unconditioned such as um, you yeah. know no I hear yeah. <laughs> well there's a whole lot of stuff there yeah. But even in our ordinary experience, you, uh, you probably will begin to fathom and know yourself as you meditate. There are all kinds of experiences that are happening on a bodily level, a heart level. What is this? What is this? It's sort of big, uh, squirmy, uh, feels kind of. Weird, funny, gluey, shimmery, shaky, sinking. What is this? <laughs> You've got no language for it. And, and uh, I know I it's quite a lot of the time, actually. I think they're part of it, just because you haven't got language for it, doesn't mean it's not there. Okay, find some language for it, then. It's gluey, squiggly, spacious, vaguely shimmering. Okay, got that. (laughs) And out of that arises more clearly articulatable forms, which you call our conventional emotional life. Even some of that can be can be um, simplified, you know, too simplified. One feels tinges of mixtures of a certain sense of irritation, along with sadness, at the same time. Yeah or reluctance, mingling with anxiety, with a touch of eagerness in it. You know, it's all sort of mixtures and moods. So part of our practice as meditators is coming into just using language quite liberally, recognising it is a convention. We're not looking to create something subjectively true so much as subjectively appropriate and we enter experiences of felt, felt senses. doesn't have to make sense on paper, but feels like this. Because when I frame it like that, yeah, I can bear with that, I can be with that, I can respond to that. This is a frozen experience. Nothing in my body has got ice hanging off it, this feels, I would call it, frozen. What? Well, it feels frozen. Okay, that's good enough because when it feels frozen, I get the sense what's needed here is some warmth. <laughs> and it's not about turning the the electricity on, it's about generating something in heart. So then we can use that still vitaka, I've named it. Frozen. Uh Vichara, I've handled it. Feel yeah, it really feels that's about it. It feels there frozen, it also feels perhaps edgy or precarious or rigid. Is there some sense of difficult feeling in that? Right, that's enough. Now, what is the response to that? Not to write an essay about it, not to spin out on the Vajji cars and create more of them, not to keep tipping more into it, saying, Please be this, please be that, don't be this, why are you that? Whose fault is this? How can I be this? Just generate the appropriate response from the chitta. This feels like it needs more. Okay. Where's that come from? <sighs> breathing in, breathing out, calm, steadying. May yeah, I be well? May all be well? And taking time. Breathing in. Breathing out. Letting the body energy move. Shift. Change. Loosening. Warming. Suffusing. Ah. Oh, changed. Took an hour. Or a day. But yeah that felt right and I don't understand why or who or what but something's been re- released or resolved so through meditative process you know just being able to articulate something knowing that one's just using a flag it's not an ultimate truth it's just a way of pinning something so we can handle it and then taking it into the heart now it's a perception a heart signal holding it feeling it is the feeling agreeable or disagreeable Mm -hmm. what does it need? quality of response chitana intention intention famous phrases intention is karma Cetanam bhikkwe karma madami I tell you bhikkhus, chetana is karma this intentionality is karma, is action so it begins right here what is the appropriate action to lead to the dissolution the dissolving, the resolution, the stilling of this formation of the frozen state karma that leads to the end of something leads to its stilling its completion the ending of the conversation about it stillness peace the ending of the person who feels they are stuck with something the ending of the actor this this process and fundamentally because Jitter is such an effective place you know we could approach it from both ends, that is from the top, body, prime it and from underneath, body support, hold it, hold it, hold it and bring that simple regenerative body energy, body presence, simple vitality just use that like you use a vessel, perhaps a vessel to inert, use it like you use hands Gently holding, affirming, balancing the heart in the body, breathing in, breathing out. Mindfulness cutting off further proliferations, protecting it from further harmful influences, acting as the screen, holding, bearing that in mind, till it can go on its way, till it releases. That's a meditative process, isn't it? And a little bit of the actor disappears. So maybe sometimes there's an understanding of what caused or generated, what were the conditions that generated that frozenness, or that sunkness, or that flaringness. Sometimes you understand, sometimes you don't. You understand you, this, But you certainly can experience release and understanding that which was me, that which was myself, that which was a real factor in my life. It is dissolved, and I'm all the better for it. <laughs> I haven't lost anything at all, <laughs> because this whole thing is about the elimination of suffering and stress. So, that's... Uh, Peace for this morning let's uh, stretch a little and uh, a few minutes of um, stillness, let any of that dissolve or settle so there will be an opportunity for any questions before we have the first break